2: God gives to us to give more. That's what we aim to always do. It applies certainly more than money. It applies to our talents, and it applies to our spiritual gifts, and it applies to our time. Look at these two areas. 1 Peter 4.10 I'm going to be responsible for how I manage my spiritual gifts, those seven gifts that we talked about in Romans. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts.
0: Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. God holds us accountable for how we spend our money. After all, he's blessed us with these resources so that we will use them wisely and for eternal purposes. But what about the other things God has given us? In today's message, Pastor Mark talks about the other things God has given us, our talents and our spiritual gifts, for example. God is going to hold us responsible for how we use the gifts, talents, and abilities he's naturally blessed us with, but also for the spiritual gifts he's given us. And the word says that we've all been given spiritual gifts. Are you using them for his glory? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he continues his message entitled, Why Church? Contribute and Receive Eternal Rewards.
2: Lord,
1: your
2: I have great history with a father that was a pastor and a grandpa. I remember my grandpa's church and my dad's church in the many 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 years ago instead of paying money because people were farmers they would bring us eggs they'd bring us chickens they'd bring us homemade bread that was their way of paying because they didn't have money they gave us what they had I remember those days those were special well that's what was happening there notice what it says God says you bring all the tithes into the storehouse so Here's what I believe, and this is what I practice, and this is what I taught our kids, my wife and I. The tithe, the ten percent, doesn't go to television programs and whatever that you enjoy. It comes to the church. I was very encouraged because I listened to Greg Laurie recently. He has a Harvest.org is a great website if you ever want to go listen to a lot of his stuff. He has a worldwide ministry. He's a Calvary Chapel. Enailed people from time to time will send in money because he has a daily radio program, and they'll say, "Here's our tithe." You know what they do? They send it back to the person. They said, don't send it to the radio program. Send it to your local church. You send us offerings if you feel you need to do that. I think God honors that. So your tithes don't go to TV. They go to where? You're being fed, which is here. Notice what he says. Now, if you do that, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the window of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great, remember, the bank, so great that you won't even have enough room to take it in. You think God could bless us beyond our wildest imagination? Yes. Then he says this, only time we see it in the Bible, and I'll preface it with the Balmer translation. Oh, you don't believe me, huh? God says, give me a shot at it. And you watch what I do. I'm going to challenge you later with this, so hold on. He says, try it, let me prove it. To you. So, what is the tithe? Tithing is God's way of getting each of us on the path of giving. It's God's way to get us on the path of giving. I'll have more to say to those of us that do tithe in a moment. Now, why did I say at the beginning of the service that 70% of the people in the United States don't know what God thinks about money? And those that do, 70, 60, 80% of them don't obey God. Here's why. These statistics never change, really. It's amazing to me. In the United States, that's all I can speak about, most studies continue to indicate that people in America who call themselves Christians, and as you know, many, many people call themselves Christians who are not. We're not going to go into that. What do they give of their income to God? Two to three percent. Christians, not non-Christians, not people that come twice a year and throw 10 bucks in the offering. These are Christians. They give 2 to 3%. 2 to 3%. That's what they give. You say, well, Mark, we're lots of born-again people, we're, and you are. But look at the statistics for born-again Christians, defined as exactly like we would, a person that asked Jesus Christ into their heart, believes in the Bible, knows Jesus Christ died for them, and are followers of Jesus Christ, knowing that... When asked in this huge survey, how many of you born-again Christians tithe, look at the percent, 6% of born-again Christians in America tithe. 94% of Americans born-again do not obey God. Is there something wrong with this picture? Now, because they don't, who does it affect? Well, number one, it affects them. Because you'll see in a moment, God can't pour into your life what he wants to do. And number two, it affects the worldwide ministry of the church. It's not about buildings. It's not about square feet. It's about people. So God says, hey, get with the program. So I'm challenging you today, and you're going to see some wonderful things as we go through it. Now, let me ask you a question. Why don't people that know about this do it? Here's why. Listen. Because they do not trust God. God says, you give to me 10%. As a starting point, I'll open the windows of heaven and bless you. You give it to me. What do most Christians say is. Now, you wouldn't stand in front of me and say, well, I don't believe God. But by not obeying God, what are you saying? I don't believe God. I mean, that's terrible. Listen to my heart. After you die, you will stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. It's supposed to be a place of happiness and rewards. I don't want one person to go to the judgment seat of Christ and when they walk away, they find me and say, Pastor Mark, God asked me about how I used his money. I didn't even know he'd asked the question. You never taught us. Oh, you taught us about gifts, but you never mentioned God's money. Why didn't you do it? You cannot say today you don't know what God thinks about money. What you do with it is not up to me. It's up to you. Write these things. Number one, just write down Luke 6.38 and 2 Corinthians 9.6. Just so you can look them up later. You can look up on it later. Luke 6.38, 2 Corinthians 9.6. And by the way, I want this thing to go in your refrigerator. Second, if a husband and wife. You need to both initial this. You can do it now or later. I know what God thinks about money. See, by initialing this, you're saying, okay, I know. Now there's more to come. I'm not true, but you will know by the time we're done. I know. So you can't stand before God and say, I don't know. Yes, you will know. Absolutely will know. Number three, my weekly gross income is. Let's say you make $1,000 a week. That'd be $52,000 a year. Or $500 a week. Or $10,000 a week. Doesn't matter. It's all relative. If you make $1,000 a week, gross, off the top, what is 10%? How's your math? How's your math? 100 bucks. So whose 100 bucks is that? It's got, and where does it come? comes to the church. You're saying, Pastor Mark, are you kidding me? Now, if you have to ask whether you give off to the top or you give net or gross, you missed it. You always give to God first fruits, always off the top. If you don't, you gave the government first fruits. You don't want to do that. So you just do that, then you tithe and watch God provide. I'm going to challenge you more at the end. Don't you think about it? You say, "Well, this really doesn't have anything to do with me because I can't afford to tithe." Let me make another statement to you: You can't afford. Not to give to God. The joy of giving. So we're going to bypass that. I'll be back to it in a moment. Here we go. Now, number five. Be generous with God and he will be generous with you. God is not a stingy God. He just incredibly blesses us. Be generous with God and he will be generous with you. Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God. It is he... Who gives you the ability to produce wealth? Here's what happens. Sometimes as people make more and more money, it's harder and harder and harder for them to give to God. Well, wait a minute. Who gave you the ability to make more money? Pastor Mark, I sold my home. Should I tithe on the profits of my home? Well, sure. Well, man, my home went up too much. (laughs) Hello? proverbs 3 9 and 10 honor the lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything your land produces not the worst the best if i do that what happens then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with the finest wine luke six thirty eight. if you give if you give you will receive Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure back. It will use to measure what is given back to you. See, if I give to God, God just pours it back to me. Now, don't get this wrong. You're not giving to get. You'll see in a moment why we give. Turn to 2 Corinthians, if you will. 2 Corinthians 9, one of the verses you were writing down. I'll going through some things here very quickly. We need to learn the joy of giving. Once you understand that God gives us everything, you won't give sparingly or grudgingly, but you will be generous. And you'll learn to store up treasure in heaven rather than waste it here on the earth. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Paul gives us more detail. Whoever sows or whoever gives sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows or gives generously will also reap generously. So the more I give to God with the right motive, the more it comes back to me. Look at verse 7. Each man should give what is decided by a formula because someone has manipulated him and the pastor has made him feel very guilty. (laughs) Is that correct? No, look how it reads. Each man should give what he's decided where? In his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Here's the key. For God loves a cheerful giver. Remember the line at the mall? You get up and that guy says, here's your $10,000. Just give me $1,000 back next Friday. Thank you so much. Yay! (laughs) Okay, God. No, that that's not right who gave it all to you in the first place God that's why it's a generous thing giving should be joyful now if you can remember that everything you have is a gift from God the rest is kind of a piece of cake now if I do that what does God promise look at verse 8 and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all time, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. You see, God will always provide everything you need, I need, if I just honor him joyfully from my heart, giving. Look down at verse 11. Here's the answer to the name it and claim it people. If you give to God out of your heart generously because you want to, it's cheerful. You will be made rich in every way so you can be what? You can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I'm giving to God, and I'm going to be generous giving to God, and God is going to let me be generous back to meet other people's needs. Write this down. You need it. Christians are to be conduits and not containers. That destroys the wealth and health deal. God gives to us to give more. That's what we aim to always do. It applies certainly more than money. It applies to our talents, and it applies to our spiritual gifts, and it applies to our time. Look at these two areas. 1 Peter 4.10 I'm going to be responsible for how I manage my spiritual gifts, those 7 gifts that we talked about in Romans. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. It's not just about money, it's also about our time. Look at Ephesians 5:16. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these what kind of days do we live in, guys? We live in evil days. We can't waste time. You can't be hanging on to money and stuff and be selfish with God. Now, number six, give God every part of your life. By the way, parents, don't wait for the church to teach your children on giving. You teach them. I started mowing lawns when I was young. I remember giving I remember giving 10%. I learned that out of getting two bucks to mow lawn. It's way different in those days push lawnmowers. I learned after mowing and earning $2, I learned to give 20 cents to God. You say, that's foolish. No. Today, Linda and I give way more than 10%. How much? None of your business. <laughs> but we've learned you can't out God. So remember, you're doing that. Now, how much does God want? Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. You're close by. Back, just a little. Romans chapter 12. See, stewardship... Managing is way more than tithing. It involves 100% of our resources. Everything that we have, tithing, giving of money, time, possessions, gifting, it involves all of it. Look at Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your what? Your bodies. There's the 100% scripture I was telling you everything you have, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Let me show you how that works. What God's saying is there is this. Does God want my time? Does he? Yes, he does. Time. Does God want my money? Is that part of me? Yes. yes. Okay. Does he want me to give him the use of the gifts that pay back and use them? Does he? Yes, good. Hallelujah. That's what Romans 12.1 says. Partly. Does it say any more? Is there anything missing? Where am I? Well, let's take a look just a moment. Let's, let's get it right here. You say, Pastor Mark, you gave everything you had. Yeah, but like you, I've left a few things outside. What do I have to give him? <laughs> Helping the kids' ministry? It's gonna take my time. <laughs> My wife's too. (laughs) You see, God wants to use you and your gift. He wants all of you. It's your worship to Him, it's pleasing to Him. It's a beautiful sight to offer it, not because you have to give it. Now, let me give you the last one. Number seven. Invest your life now. We don't have time to wait, guys. Start storing up treasure in heaven. Luke 16, 9-11 basically just says this, If I'm not faithful in the little things, God will never trust me with bigger things. God wants to do incredible things in our community, in our world, through you and through me. 2 Corinthians 8-7 speaks about how you are because you're a, you're a generous people. It says this, since you excel in so many ways, you have so much faith, such gifted speakers, such knowledge, such enthusiasm, and such love for us, Paul says, now I want you to excel also in this gracious ministry of giving. I want to challenge you, every single person in this room between now and the end of December, I want you starting next week to begin tithing off the top, to God. I'm not your judge. I'm not trying to put a thing on you. I'm just saying to you today, if you rob God, you rob yourself. And I'm going to tell you a true story in a moment. We underestimate what God can do with our finances. We underestimate it. I want to challenge you. Some of you have never even started tithing. So get the training wheels on. Start on this pathway of giving it's a joyous thing. It's incredible. It's God's anyway. Some of you that have been giving. I had to challenge Linda. And I had to challenge ourselves. We've been giving ever since we were little kids. Ten percent, ten percent, ten percent, ten percent, ten percent. We give some offerings. And one day I looked at the scripture and I went, "Wait a minute. That, that's just the starting point." We had to take the training was up. As I said to you, we give way more than ten percent. Why? Because we've started to learn to trust God. Do you know J.C. Penny who owned it? When he died, he was giving ninety percent to the Lord. Well, that can't work. Well, if you make enough, it can work fine. How did that happen? He began to trust God. Those of you that tithe, up at 1, 2, 5%, whatever God says to you. Those of you that don't start, off the top, before taxes, to God. Pastor Mark, it won't work. It'll work. Look at this last verse. You heard it before. God says, try it, let me prove it. Tithe and watch God provide. He will open the windows of heaven. Let me tell you how that works. A young man I know is a pastor of a church, just took over a pastor of a great church out of state. He's a young man, PhD and everything, just incredible, brilliant young guys, 27. Well, he took over this mega church, it's, it's large, 5,000 something, and he began teaching and I loved his teaching. I listened to him, somebody hooked me into him. And he is a, a guy that goes to the mission field a lot like I do. And he just got back from Indonesia and they're suffering because of earthquakes and he, one day, not planned in the services. They have two, two big services. Church is now starting to boom again because he's expositionally teaching the Word. It's not a Calvary. He said to the congregation, you know, I just got back last week from Indonesia. And you know, for $300, we can build homes for these people. And he says, if you'd like to just give money, this isn't planned, there's no form, just come and bring it at the altar. So first service, just people poured out and brought money. By the way, I think that weekend they raised $97,000. And they built all these homes. Well, in the first service, one man came up and he said, "Uh, I don't really have any money to give, but he said, I have this. And he took off a Rolex watch and he gave it and walked away. Well, the pastor used that illustration in the second service to challenge the people that, well, I don't have anything to give and not to manipulate people. Guys, you know me, I don't manipulate people. So he just used that illustration that this guy had given his Rolex watch. True story. At the end of the service, a couple come up and they said, we want to buy that man's watch. So they gave the three or $4,000 in cash and they said to the pastor, give that watch back to the man. They didn't know why they were doing it. Normally you wouldn't do that. So the pastor, he's new at the church, he finds the guy, he calls him and he says, somebody bought the watch you gave. I can give it back to you. The response on the other end, crying. Why? He said, Pastor, you didn't know this, and I didn't tell you, but that watch was a gift to me, and I always promised that watch to my son on his graduation. Hallelujah. Now you say, well, God, God can't do that kind of thing. What? See, he really convicted me today. Guys, we underestimate what God wants to do. He owns it all. Do you know that Fort Lauderdale, this will challenge you? We're not going to do that here. Fort Lauderdale, Calvary Chapel, just recently, they went through a four week thing of asking for pledges because they're building this, humong- you know, they're 18,000 people, are just amazing things. They did a little different. That's okay for me. Do you know that they have pledges of $103 million over the next three years? the most money ever raised in a church in the United States. What are they doing there? Just building, 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 and God's people are being blessed all over the place. But I'm challenging you to begin tithing, to begin giving generous with God, not only in your money, but your time, your talents, and your gifts. Let's prove God. He'll open the windows of heaven, and you and I, maybe for the very first time, will understand the joy
0: giving what are you investing your life in many people today look for quick riches in the lottery or the stock market God has a better plan in today's message Pastor Mark continued his challenge to invest where literally there are many happy returns God has called us to give not just our finances but our very lives to him he's blessed us with many resources including spiritual gifts Are you using them for him? Invest in his kingdom today. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church and today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Many people suffer from spiritual discouragement, but in the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark shares God's solution. Time spent in His Word and alone in His presence is the perfect cure for discouragement. It just seems to fade away when we get alone with Him. He talks about how Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration gave them a new perspective. Are you ready for a new perspective? We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word in a herd